As we saw in the video today, we've got this uh, amazing couple that uh, we meet in the book of Acts. And right now as a church, we're studying uh, the book of Acts, the second half, looking at the expansion and uh, sort of the momentum that built behind the early churches. They shared the good news of Jesus. And one of the couples that was really influential in this is this couple, Priscilla and Aquila. And so I want to read a little bit about their story. And so we're going to start in Acts chapter 18. I'm going to read verses 1 to 3, and then I'm going to actually jump all the way down to verse 18 and continue on until the end of the chapter. So let's read this together. So Paul's just been in a city called Athens. We talked about that last week, and then we read this. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, though, he reasoned in the synagogue trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. Let's jump down to verse 18 in your Bibles. It says, Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off in Centrea because of a vow that he had taken. They arrived at Ephesus where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogues and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. Then he set sail for Ephesus. When he, when he landed at Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem and greeted the church, and they went to the Antioch. After spending time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Meanwhile, though, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of Scripture. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he only knew about the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, and that's when Priscilla and Aquila heard him. And so they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. For he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was Messiah. So we've got this pretty great couple here. But I can think of all sorts of great couples. Uh, I want us to take a look at this, uh, this set of pictures up here. And I want you to tell me what do all of these couples have in common. What do all these couples have in common? There's some fictional ones, some real ones from history who have been significant. What do they all have in common? Any guesses? They're heroes, absolutely. Each one of these people ended up having a positive impact in some way to some degree on a certain segment of the people that they were around. And so all throughout history and through different fiction stories, we often are drawn towards these heroes. But sometimes, sometimes we actually forget certain heroes and we miss out on them. And I think sometimes that when we go through sections of the 
book of Acts and things like that, we can often just sort of blow past certain characters. I actually think Priscilla and Aquila are two people who deserve to be on uh, a slide like this. And while I can't necessarily get a picture of them because, well, they've been dead for over 2,000 years, um, we, we can still embrace them and their part of their story. They themselves were two very critical people in the expansion of the church, in the church going forward. And as we're studying together as a church family, the early church and its establishment, we're kind of asking ourselves, what can we learn from the book of Acts? And I think we can learn something particularly here because Luke, who's the author, Dr. Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, took the time to, to drop in these names. And we see actually that Priscilla and Aquila aren't just mentioned here, but we also see them mentioned in the book of Romans and 1 Corinthians, and we'll see someone they influence, this guy named Apollos, is also mentioned in places like Titus 2. And so we have this couple that's really sort of influential. They, they made a big difference in the church. And so I'm hoping that we can look at what they did, how they served other people, and then we can consider how we might be able to do that too. But before we get there, let's just think about who these people are. So we don't know a whole lot about Priscilla and Aquila except what it tells us here in this passage. We know, for instance, that Aquila was a Jewish man who married a woman named Priscilla. So we got this Jewish man who grew up and he's known and worshipped God all of his life. And he ends up in Italy, whether he was born there or whether he moved there uh, well, we know he moved there, um, and he ends up with Priscilla, which we don't know whether she was born there or grew up there. Did they come together? We don't know a lot about her. We don't know her ethnicity. We don't know if she was Jewish before she met Aquila or not. All we know is that she has this name, which was common amongst powerful Italian families, Priscilla. We also know something that's unique about her is that her name is used first most of the time that they're written about in the Bible. And that's interesting, because most of the time, back in Jesus' day, in Paul's day, we often had the man's name always first to distinguish who someone was. So there was a husband and wife. So I'm Kyle, my wife's Amy. We would say Kyle and Amy. But in four of the seven cases in the story that we read, we actually read that Priscilla's name comes first. So it's Priscilla and Aquila. And so what we can assume about this is that she's a woman from Roman heritage who's a, uh, a prominent figure. She's well known and she has some level of influence and she's married to this guy named Aquila. So we got Priscilla and Aquila and together they run a tent making business. Tent making. That's kind of an interesting job, don't you think? Well, tent making was a good business to be in in their day because tent making was what everyone needed. We often don't think about how the fact that the world has changed a lot of times. I know even when I think back and I read the Bible, I often picture all these people in their little homes. And, 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 and frankly, it's not all that different than I picture 
if they were living today. But most of the people at the time where the early church was being established were living in tents outside of cities. They would travel and move with their tents. And so they needed people who would make and repair these tents as they traveled from city to city. And so we have this couple, they're building tents and they're running businesses and that's a really good thing. It's a good thing for starters because it's a job you can move. It's a job that can take you from place to place because everyone in the known world at this time lives in tents. There's somebody everywhere who needs them in business. And so this comes in handy when uh, the emperor Claudius comes into power and he decides that he's not a particular fan of the Jews or the Christians. He sees them as troublemakers, right? And we've seen this as we've been going through the book of Acts. We see that constantly there's sort of this impression that Christians are doing damage. And so they're trying to put out the fire. But we know that the fire's a good thing. It's the spreading of the good news of Jesus. But this is calling into question all the things that Claudius would want to teach as an emperor. It would dethrone him. The people were going around saying, Jesus is king. Claudius is going, no, I'm the emperor. I'm the one in charge, and we worship the gods I say we worship. And that was an issue because the Christians were going around saying, not only is Jesus king, but we should worship him too. And so Claudius finally, in about uh, 41 AD, says, this is enough. Get out of my city. Get out of my country. I don't even want you in my presence. And so he sends them along. And because we know that Aquila's this Jewish man, and Priscilla, Priscilla presumably uh, is following with him, we see that they end up moving to the city of Corinth. And we don't know exactly what the timeline is here, but we assume that it's probably just about a decade before Paul arrives. And Paul's been going on this missionary journeys, going around trying to share the good news of Jesus, and he's uh, moving from city to city, and he's trying to establish little house churches that will hopefully then go and spread the good news of Jesus across these cities and into the regions that they're connected to. And so one day, Paul ends up in Corinth, and here he's in this important, influential city, and he's going to spread the good news of Jesus, but guess what? He needs to work. He needs to be able to provide a roof over his head, food to eat. And so fortunately, Paul's grown up in this culture where not only did he grow up with a great education in philosophy and theology, not only does he know how to speak different languages, but he would have had a parent who would have taught him a trade. And so his trade was tent making. And so at some point, probably in a synagogue one day as they're talking about Jesus, he encounters Priscilla and Aquila, and together they begin to go into work. Priscilla and Aquila offer him probably room and board, saying, hey, you know what? We know you're only in the city for a little while. We know you've got this big mission that you want to do, so why don't you do a little bit of work for us, and then whenever there's a gathering in the synagogue, you can go there and you can take the day. And so we see that Priscilla and Aquila are these incredibly generous people right off the bat. Not only do they move around uh, as they need instead of fighting and revolting, but they end up going and they end up sharing what they have with someone in need. Someone who wants to go out and spread the good news 
of Jesus. So we see actually what this is the starting of is the movement of the church. It really accelerates this. And we'll see that if you follow their history through the Bible, that they end up in a number of different cities. And every single one of those cities ends up being a critical place for the expansion of the good news of Jesus. Not only do they end up in Corinth, but then they go to Ephesus, right? And we have the book of 1 Corinthians, which was written to that church in Corinth. We have the book of Ephesians, which was written to the church in Ephesus. Then we find out later on when Paul writes a letter to the church in Rome that they've moved back to Rome and they've been a part of the church there. And then later on we read about, uh, we see that they move back to Ephesus once again. And so they go back and forth, moving wherever God calls them, living generously out of this great uh, ability that they have because they're in the tent-making business and they are able to support what God's doing. And so all while Priscilla and Aquila try to live this way, we see that God uses them to grow his church. And so let's just stop for a sec and consider what did they really do with their generosity? How, how were they generous? What, what was it that they used to serve? Because I think one of the things that we come to as a church is we often say, hey, I want to support what God's doing, but we don't really necessarily always engage all of ourselves or even really know where we can start with ourselves of us being a part of what God's doing. But I think their story and how they move ends up giving us some instruction. And so I would encourage us that there's sort of three things that Priscilla and Aquila were generous with. The first thing that we see that Priscilla and Aquila did was they were generous with their time. They were generous with their time. They ended up taking in this guy, Apollos, at one point. This is the part of the story that really stands out to me. I really think it, it's neat. And I, I think if we just read it too quickly, we actually miss the generosity here. We read in verse 24 to 28. Meanwhile, there's this Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, who comes to Ephesus, where they've now moved from Corinth with Paul down to Ephesus to help them establish the church. And this guy comes in. It says, he was a learned man. He had a thorough knowledge of the Jewish scriptures, so what would be our Old Testament. And he'd been instructed in the ways of the Lord. And so he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately. So he's this sort of charismatic, bold speaker who's telling people, but there was an end to his knowledge. It was the fact that he only knew up to Jesus' baptism by John the Baptist. And so he kind of came into the community and he would go and he would speak and people found him sort of maybe dashing. I don't know if he was good looking, but he, he had this fervor, he could speak, he was charismatic, he was captivating, and so he would come and teach, and he would teach through the Jewish scriptures, and he would teach about this guy named Jesus that, that John the Baptist pointed to, who said, this is the one who's better than me, look to him, and then he would have to end his teaching, because that was all he knew, and so even though he spoke boldly, and even though he spoke accurately, he only knew this much of the story. And so when Priscilla and Aquila saw Apollos, they decided to do something. They decided to step in and invite him into their home, and then they began to teach. You know, I think that's pretty commendable. 
Because I think a lot of times when I see someone who might come in and only have part of the story, my initial reaction is to just be like, okay, just let me do the rest. Just let me, let me kind of set you aside there because you're not really giving the full picture of the story. You know, Priscilla and Aquila, they've been traveling around with Paul. They've been hearing all that he had to teach about the risen Savior Jesus. And, and, and here was this guy, Apollos, who was coming into the community they were trying to reach, and he could never actually teach to the point where they were trying to get people to go. And instead of being frustrated, instead of being dismissive, instead of putting him down and just being like, hey, it's great that you got all that energy, kid. It's time for you to just take a back seat. What they did is they decided to invite him in. And they began to teach. They began to explain what Jesus went on from after his baptism. They explained the life that he lived, the teachings that he had given. They explained the fact that he went to the cross and died for all of our sins. They explained that he was resurrected from the grave so that we could all be forgiven and come into a life-giving relationship with God. This is what it means by them teaching him the way of God more adequately. It's about more than just this guy who would come and get baptized and he was someone to look to. He was someone who could give life and hope and a new direction. And so Priscilla and Aquila said, Apollos, you got it. You got energy. We love where you're going. Let us give you a little bit more and then you can go and teach. Now, I think all of us who followed Jesus for some time know that this wasn't a five-minute conversation. When it says they invited him in after church one day, it wasn't that they just sat around the table for a quick sandwich lunch and said, okay, Apollos, we're going to give you the three points here that you need to walk away with. And then Apollos suddenly had all of the answers so he could go and teach. No, there was this investment that they had to make. There was surely hours upon hours, days upon days, where they chose to welcome this young man who had a gift into their home. And then they began to teach. They began to explain the way of Jesus more carefully. This is a really important gift that they brought. I mean, these were busy people. They were entrepreneurs. They were surely in demand for their services because the demand in a community like Ephesus would have been high for tent making and tent repairs. And so as they give of themselves to Apollos and to the things that he was doing for God, they sacrifice greatly. I think there's a lot we can learn from that. We actually live in an age that I think is very similar from how Priscilla and Aquila might have went about thinking. We live in a world where it's practically considered a badge of honor when someone says, how are you doing? Or how was your week? To say, I was really busy. We like to gather together with other people and rattle off all the things that take up all of our time. Oh, I went to this thing, I drove my kids to that thing, I did this thing at work, I'm involved in this side hustle, I'm involved in that community event or outreach or program, and man, I am really busy. 
But while we carry this badge of busyness, we often use it as a way to defend ourselves and keep ourselves from investing deeply. Sadly, one of the things that I think we've failed to embrace that we see time and time again in the early church is how when we give ourselves patiently, that's when we see the fruit grow. The things that we often are scared of most, especially, are investing in other people. Because people take time. And people have demands. And people can sometimes drain our energy. And that's particularly true for those of us who are introverts. And so we say, hey, I'm going to keep this at a distance because I'm busy. But look at what happened with Apollos. We see actually that the investment that Priscilla and Aquila put into him ends up having a huge return. In 1 Corinthians that we read that Apollos grows up to actually be a spiritual mentor in the early church. Paul says, I don't care if you follow me or Apollos, follow somebody who's following Jesus and most importantly follow Jesus after them. In Titus, we see that Paul goes on to say that this young man who at one point only knew this much was a valuable leader in that church. The time we give to the life of another to teach them about Jesus is invaluable. I know for myself, I'm a better husband and father and friend and pastor and follower of Jesus because of the investment of others into me. I'm fortunate that I had good parents who invested in me and and when they came to faith decided to take me to church, but it wasn't just them pouring into me. I can think about Pastor Dave and his wife Beth who actually led me to Jesus. I think about Mrs. Hinkleman who was my Sunday school teacher year after year who poured into me even when I was an obnoxious kid. I think of camp counselor Carl who every single year volunteered to come to camp and asked specifically for me and a few friends and he poured into us. I think of Leslie who was a youth uh, leader and, and she owned a local business and she decided to hire me and other teens from our church so she could spend more time pouring into us. I think of Grandma Joyce, my friend's grandma who taught me to pray and have patience in waiting on God. I think of guys like Mike and Paul and Daryl and Jamie and Cal and, and more, the, these men who were influential in my life as a young pastor through uh, my 20s and into my early 30s who, who have counseled me and given me wisdom and shown me more of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And there's more people beyond that. But these men and these women have chosen to invest in me. And I hope, I know, that I'm better for it, that my family's better for it, and I think our church is better for it. And I think that needs to be exponential. There can't just be a list of, of one or two people who pour into any one person's lives, but it, you know, it's cliche, but it takes a village to raise a child. It takes, and then that's not just a kid in age, but in spiritual maturity. It's not just true for kids, but it's true for adults too. We all have different things we're walking through where we need to learn from someone who will patiently be there with us to give us what they have 
by way of offering us their time. And so I'd ask you, particularly anyone who's over the age of three, because anyone else, anyone can do this, who are you investing into? Who are you sharing Jesus with? Who are you helping to grow into being a better follower of Jesus? Or are you too busy? The second thing that I see that Priscilla and Aquila did is they used their talents. They didn't just invest their time. They used what God had given them. They had this knack, clearly, for being able to set up businesses in, in all these different communities so that they could thrive, so they could have homes where they could gather the church together. They, they used their trade to, to hire others who were doing ministry so that they could come for room and board and have a place to stay and, and do a little work in exchange to free themselves up to go share the good news of Jesus. They went from they, they, they took their talent from, from Rome to Corinth to Ephesus, back to Rome, back to Ephesus, and they used their talent time and time again. How often do we consider our talents as the way that we can expand God's kingdom? Not every one of us is going to have the same talents. Not every one of us is going to be a Peter or a Paul or Apollos and be a teacher, but every single one of us has been given gifts and abilities by God that he, and he's called you into places and vocations and situations and families so that you can use the you that God has made you to be to expand his kingdom. My family growing up had a, a doctor, Dr. Jim, I call him Dr. Adams. He was a man who uh, is just so amazing to me. I remember from a young age, we would go to him. He was our family doctor, and, and, and every once in a while, he'd be missing. Need an appointment with Dr. Dr. Jim, and, and Dr. Jim wasn't there. Why? Because ever since early in his career, he took his talents in medicine to go serve overseas. He would shut down his practice every year to go on medical missions. I had the great privilege of going with him on more than one of these trips, but in particular, I remember one trip in which we got to go with Samaritan's Purse to a, a essentially closed access area of Southeast Asia. And there, because of his talents, we were able to meet with people who had never heard about Jesus. Because of his talents, because of his career, he was able to open up doors in a country so that people could come and see, not just a doctor for medicine, but a man who would pray, and other individuals who would care for them, and who would, were there to love and to teach the way of Jesus. It was incredible that him using his abilities was able to further what God was doing in a very restrictive communist country. It's incredible. But it's not just him. I know we have people in our church who use their professional giftings to open doors into difficult, access, uh, difficult to access parts of the world to bring hope to those in need. But it's not just overseas. I can think of a gentleman who I know who has great faith, who he operates in a different level of society. I mean, this guy hangs out with affluent, influential people because of his business acumen. He gets to interact with people I, have, I would never meet. 
He travels in circles that I would never be able to go to to be able to speak. But because he uses his talents, he opens up the door in a certain segment of society, and he goes and helps meet those needs. And what's interesting is that's a segment of society where people look like they have absolutely no needs. These are wealthy people who go hang out in the Terminal City Club in downtown Vancouver. They drive the nicest cars. They go on the best vacations, and they are broken and spiritually hungry. And he uses his business as a way to reach into these people's lives to become friends and help meet their needs. The reality is there's no pastor, there's no missionary, there's no Bible study teacher, there's no community group leader who can be in every single segment of society unless we all do it together. Every one of us knows and meets different people. Every one of us has different opportunities in schools, in workplaces, in family situations where we get to meet people and be in places where only we can be. Priscilla and Aquila could do it because they had tent making. You can do it in your place because of the gifts that God has given you. You can do it on the construction site, in your office, in your school, in the hospital, in all sorts of places. The question is, will you view your talents, your abilities, the way God has hardwired you as a way to reach out, to share the good news, to bring the hope that people need? And so I think there's a lot to commend because they gave their their time, they gave their talents, but what's incredible about Priscilla and Aquila is they also gave their treasure. They gave their physical resources into the church. Not only did they use their talents to open up doors and to go to places that needed churches and needed hope, but they actually opened up their home so that other people could come in and they showed hospitality. They, they were told by Paul in, in Romans 16 that they actually go on and they, they risk their lives. One of the things we all treasure the most, they risk their lives to help Paul advance the teaching of Jesus. We know that they supported Paul and, 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 and they gave fi financially to these people who were in need because of how they wanted to serve the community. I think this is incredible. It's especially incredible when you consider the culture we live in. For most of us, our home is our castle. And for a lot of people, it's really uncomfortable to let people in. But you look at these people who were busy, who had a lot to risk. I mean, remember, the, these Christians are not appreciated. They're not liked. They actually lived in a day and age. For them to run a tent-making business would have been very difficult. Businesses back in those days to be officially recognized, to be able to operate in major cities like this, there would have had to be some level of knowing somebody to be able to get, you know, sort of in our day and age, we call the permits and the, the business licenses to operate. Back in those days, it wasn't that different. And so for them to come into a community, to be people of influence, Priscilla to carry this, this sort of higher status Roman name, for them to be affluent business people, to say, hey, we're going to let all the Christians in, the people everyone else hates. 
We're going to let our house be the place they're known to come, to gather, to pray, to learn, to spend time together, and we're going to show them hospitality while we do it. That was a huge sacrifice, a huge risk by the world standards. And yet they continued to do it each and every day. How are you with your treasures? Your home, your finance. Are you willing to offer those things up for the expansion of the church? I pick on those two particularly because I think they're things that are most, that make us most vulnerable. Showing somebody hospitality, welcoming someone into your home can be a scary thing. It opens us up to rejection. It opens us up to, to, to harm coming our way. It opens us up to just having to, to stop and be real when it's so much easier to be fake and busy and superficial. When we give financially, it, it opens us up to some risk when financial times aren't that great. But what we see in the teaching of Jesus that Priscilla and Aquila understood was that where we put our treasure indicates where our heart lies. Are we willing to open up our lives? Are we willing to invest in what God is doing? Are we willing to be that vulnerable to show that our heart is in fact in those places where God is moving, or would we rather keep it to ourselves? I think one of the teachings that Priscilla and Aquila understood most was not, it was connected to that one. I'm sure Paul spent time teaching them the Sermon on the Mount, and in it, it says this, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and it will all be given to you. All the things you need, all the provision you're worried about, all these things flow from the source, which is God. And so we need to seek him first. What his kingdom needs, what he thinks is right, not what we think is, with everything, with our time, with our talent, with our treasures. Are we willing to invest in the ministry that God has called us to do. I just want to end with this encouraging thought, hopefully for you. And it's this fact that sometimes we've made this mistake to think that it's the great missionaries and the apostles we read about in the Bible who are the ones doing real ministry. Paul never did that. Look at Romans 16. The great list of people he, he lists off who he says, commend these people, greet these people, look how wonderful they are and how they have served in what God is doing. In Romans 16, the Apostle Paul says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers, in the name of Jesus. It's so obvious, isn't it? That there were people in scripture who sought first God's kingdom. They invested everything they had into ministry, which is in doing the work of God. And they never did it vocationally. They, 
perhaps, for the, this is a bad example, but other examples where they never went overseas. They did it in their own communities. The same thing is true today as it was back then. Don't segregate out pastors and missionaries and ministry workers. Yes, they're called by God to play a certain role, but so are you. Don't do yourself or our church or the world the disservice of neglecting your time, your talents, and your treasures that God has given you as he's placed you exactly where you are. Don't lose sight of the contribution you can have. And if you need a reminder, come back to Priscilla and Aquila and their investment into Apollos. Come back to the stories of what's happened because of the church in Corinth being at the crossroads of the world, which ended up being from there, the church expanded off into all sorts of directions. Same with Ephesus, where the church branched off from the home of Priscilla and Aquila and others and was able to influence west and east, bringing all the good news of Jesus to those who were in need. No matter who you are, no matter how old or how young, no matter what you do for work or if you're retired, you are given time and talent and treasures, each one by God for investing. The question is, what will you do with it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you for, for inspiring Luke to include the story of Priscilla and Aquila. God, I know there's so many stories that we... We don't even get to read about because while they were happening they just weren't the things that you, that you inspired the writers to write about and god i thank you that you you chose this one i thank you that you gave an example of a couple <coughs> excuse me who would invest their lives into ministry I thank you that they gave so sacrificially. So by extension, we can know who you are. God, I pray that we would now be able to return the same. That we would use what you've given us today to expand your kingdom here in Abbotsford, NBC, and around the world. Lord God, I pray that as we listen to you, as we open up to where you might want to speak, that you would speak clearly how we can use what we have. And God, will we see fruit grow from that? Will we see more and more people coming to know not just your name, but you as a loving God who cares so much for them? Lord, now as we turn in a time of song, I pray the words we sing would remind us of the truth of who you are. I pray that they would inspire us, they would light a fire in us, so that we would go out and do just what Priscilla and Aquila did, what Paul and Apollos did, what so many have done before us. Would we go out and share your name? We thank you that you love us, that you include us, that you allow us to join you where you're moving. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.